Welcome to the Will and Aaron Show. I am William Kramer, and I am with my co-host, Aaron Bontrager. We cover local sports, including the Northern Indiana Conference and the Northern Lakes Conference, plus teams in St. Joseph and Elkhart Counties. We also cover college and pro sports. We are recording on April 30th, and we are recording our 37th inter- or episode. Aaron, how are we doing this week? Doing good. It's been been a busy week, but it's nice to be here with you talking some sports. Yeah, man, I agree. It's been this week has flown by. You know, for me, it's been recruiting. It's been teaching, and it's been hosting athletic events at Washington. Um, on top of that, trying to catch up on all these amazing sports we got local college and pro stuff going on the nfl draft uh so let's dive into topic number one that's high school baseball notes from the past week and starting off with marion and new prairie uh the knights beat the cougars three to one to give the cougars their second nic loss this was a big game Mm. uh the Knights are 6-0 in a conference and 10-3 and overall. They lost their third game this week uh, to Andran 59ers. That's not a bad loss, though, because I believe they're number one in 3A or 2A or whatever division that Andran's in. Adams beat St. Joe 12-10 to to give St. Joe their second NIC loss. The Eagles have just one NIC loss as of now. So things are beginning to kind of shape up, if you will, in the NIC conference. You've only got two undefeated teams now, and that is, of course, Marion, we just mentioned, and Penn uh, with Adams, that lone loss. And then you got three solid teams, New Perry, Glenn, and St. Joe, with just two losses. So still a lot can happen in the NIC conference moving forward. How, how about uh, what's going on in NLC baseball? Yeah, so there was a pretty big benchmark game, if you will, this past week. And Mishawaka and Northridge got together. Mishawaka outlasted the Raiders one to nothing. And now the Cayman are the last remaining unbeaten team. Or I guess they were prior as well. But the Cavemen are now kind of in the driver's seat in the NLC at 6-0. and That was a huge game for the yeah. NLC. Enormous. Uh, and it turned out to be a great game, as you just mentioned. Uh, with that win, Mishawaka uh, has a two-game lead over both Warsaw and Northridge. So as you just mentioned, they are in a good Position still a lot of baseball to go, but you know they're they're in a good spot. Uh, East side, of course, you know Aaron. Um, the NECC conference plays an in-season conference tournament, and so Fairfield, who we cover, uh, they were in the championship game against East side, uh, and unfortunately for the Falcons, they lost that game three. To one, of course, that does not count against the NECC standings. Uh, so the Falcons are still in first place in the conference at five and zero, oh, and they they are tied with their rivals, 
Westview also five and zero. Now Eastside is three and zero in conference play as well. So it's looking to be a three-headed monster in the Northeast Corner Conference. How about Elkhart Christian and Bethany Christian, the Hoosier Plains Conference? Aaron, what's going on there? Yeah, they're kind of in the the driver's seat of that conference, and they actually have a nice collision course on the diamond this week. Uh, they Ooh. actually play Monday night, so after this comes out. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what team gets that game there. That will be. Um, it's kind of like one of those Christian school rivalries, if you will. Uh, bragging rights and yeah. obviously conference uh, ramifications there for, for that game. So a couple of good games coming up this week. Yeah, another one that caught my eyes. Um, I think Jimtown and New Prairie will get together in the middle of the week. That's a big game, I think, for both teams, really. But, I mean, Jimtown is looking to get to 500 in the NIC, and they're on a five-game winning streak right now. So that would be an interesting matchup. Another thing that caught my eye was Warsaw. They had a solid week. They beat Northridge. They beat Manchester and Concord. So they're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, like you mentioned, tied with Northridge there in second place, or maybe they are sole second place now. But Goshen, they're in second place with Northridge in the yeah. conference. Uh, Goshen, the team I'm watching, they seem to be kind of putting things together, and also Glenn in the NIC, a seven game winning streak. I knew we, I know we talked about how the Falcons are a good baseball team, so they're kind of lurking there in that four and two record. So. It's kind of what I've seen this past week. Yep. Uh, so in the NLC, Mishawaka, Warsaw, and Northridge are the only three schools in that conference that have a positive run differential. Mm-hmm. Run differential meaning that they've scored more runs than they've given up. Right. Uh, Goshen is, is almost there. They, they, they've scored 64 but they've given up 66, whereas the, the three we just mentioned, they've got a pretty healthy run differential there. So it kind of tells a little bit of a story of how strong uh, a team is. So uh, it's definitely looking to be a three-headed monster, if you will, uh, in the NLC uh, moving forward. We'll see if Goshen can kind of catch up to that pack uh, as the season winds on here. So let's move to topic number two, high school softball notes. Uh, we have St. Joe beating Adams 2-0 and kind of a somewhat surprising final score if you follow softball at all. Uh, Berkeley did her thing. She was solid as normal. Uh, but it was Emmeline Zelensky that held St. Joe to just two runs on five hits and striking out five. And... What really kept this game to 2 0. Uh, mm-hmm. St. Joe is 5 0 and just one game behind Penn in the Northern Indiana Conference. Uh, Adams lost three straight after winning their first five games of the season. Uh, Penn, New Prairie, and St. Joe. Uh, it, that's a rough stretch for anyone uh, that Adams just went through. Uh, those are three tough games. Yeah. During that three losing streak, um, however, 
in the Laporte tournament that just happened, Adams returns a favor and they beat St. Joe 10-7 to give the Indians their first loss of the season. That was a huge win for the Lady Eagles softball program uh, and uh, got to give them a lot of confidence moving forward here that they can beat a team like the caliber of St. Joe. Right. New Prairie went 5-0 and this week. What a busy week for the Cougars. Five games in one week. Uh, they, Of course, they dominated their opponents. None of the games were close. Uh, they they beat Marion 10-1. to uh, The Cougars are 15-1 and overall and 5-1 in the Northern Indiana Conference. Uh, Ava Geyer continues to impress. Get this, Aaron. 0.63 ERA, that's just amazing. No one is scoring on this picture from New Prairie. What's going on? Give us an update on the NLC softball here. A couple of highlights. Yeah, well, the Lady Cavemen are out to a 4-0 record in the NLC, and they picked up a nice win against Northwood. Goshen and Wallace are the only NLC schools with a positive run differential, so... I know that the Markham girl is getting it done for the Red Hawks on the mound and in the batter's box. So, And they're at plus four, and the Warriors are plus three. So, you know, there's uh, we've talked about how the NIC is a little bit, just a little bit higher level of competition. But, you know, there's some teams in the NLC that have some potential to, we'll see, maybe make some noise in the postseason. Yeah. And uh, there's some interesting games coming up. Uh, you think of Goshen and Northwood. Uh, that Warsaw Mishawaka game mm. will be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, actually, I take that back. Uh, my bad. Uh, Mishawaka will beat Warsaw. Uh, but that definitely for sure, the Goshen Northwood game ought to be interesting. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, the NLC pretty much. Going to be Mishwaka, Goshen, and we'll see if Wabasi can make a comeback here. Uh, th- that picture from Wabasi is pretty good, Haley. Okay, let's move on to uh, topic number three, track and field. Uh, let's look at some of the state leaders from our coverage area. Uh, and we got a couple of guys that are state caliber runners in the 100 meter dash. And that is Robert Nebu. He's a stud. He does mm-hmm. everything. 100, 200, uh, 400. Uh, and he is currently has a 10th or tied for the ninth best time in the 100 meter dash. Also Jaquan Patton has also tied for ninth in the state. Um, and so those two guys are guys to keep an eye out for as we uh, kind of move into May. In the 200-meter dash, we're talking about the boys' side here, uh, Penn's Josiah Williams is currently sixth in the state. Um, so he's a guy that could potentially – you know, make it to the state finals and mm-hmm. make a run there. Uh, as we move forward here, 
in the mile race, 1500 meter race. Uh, Matt Molloy. That's a name to remember because he's pretty good in the Caveman Classic. He registered a four minute, 20 second point four seven, uh, PR. Whoa. Uh, and that is good for number one in the state, but just barely. So, uh, he could potentially be a state champion this year in the, 1,500-meter uh, run. That's impressive. That is. And he's also in the top 10 at number 9 in the 32-meter run with the two-mile race time of 9 minutes, 12 seconds. Um, so he's pretty solid. The hurdles for the boys. We have a guy from our area, Luke Hold from South Bend, St. Joe. He's currently got a PR time that is tied for eighth at 14.87 seconds. Uh, so we'll see if he can make improvements and cl- climb the ladder there. Uh, he's not very far off from being in the top three. In the 300-meter hurdles, we don't have anybody in our area. Four by 100 meter relay. Uh, it looks like we currently have no one in the top 10. That is surprising because I, mm-hmm. I would have thought we would have one team in there, but we do not have anybody in the top 10. Uh, four by 400 relay. Um, no one in top 10. Four by 800 relay. No one in top 10. Shot put, no one in the top 10. Discus, no. High jump. Well, we do have one person in the high jump. Ian Joyce, he's tied for seventh at six feet five inches from South Bend St. Joe. In fact, he just recently did that in the South Bend St. Joe City meet. Um, so the number one guy jumped six eight. So he's got a little bit of work okay. to do to. to match that but we'll see what he does at the rest of the season uh pull vault nobody in the top 10 there and long jump we have a couple of long jumpers robert nebu he's tied for third with 22 feet 10 inches uh xavier white seventh place 22 feet eight and a half inches mishwaka and tied for ninth uh Ailey Alice Leonard, 22 feet, six and a half inches from Elkhart. So we've got three long jumpers that could be state qualifier guys. Uh, let's go to the women or to the girls here for the 100. I, for sure, Angel Thomas, uh, I saw her at state finals last year down in Bloomington, and she's going to come back. She actually is number one right now in the state for the fastest time this season at 12.12 seconds um, from South and Adams. In the 200 meter, we have Angel Thomas, eighth place, 25.53 seconds. We've got a couple of 800 meter state caliber runners. Tied for fifth is Julia Ikonomu. You might remember that name from Lady Penn Basketball. 
Um, she just does it all. She had a time of two minutes, 18 seconds. And then uh, Warsaw, Josefina Restrelli, we called her name a lot in cross-country season mm-hmm. in the fall. Um, and she also had the same time as Julia. So those two uh, are tied for fifth in the state right now. In the mile race, Mary Eubank, remember her? Cross mm-hmm. country. Uh, she is in 10th place right now with a time of five minutes and seven seconds uh, for the 1600 meter. In the 3200 meter, uh, Josefina Restrelli is in 10th place with a time of 10 minutes and 45 seconds. So be, be interesting to see what she does there. 100 meter hurdles from South Bend, Washington, fourth place, Adriana Swanson. And get this, she's just a freshman. This is Coach Swanson's daughter. That's the head coach. Uh, by the way, uh, Coach Swanson is a former United States uh, USA track runner himself. So it just runs in the family, I guess. Uh, we will be talking about Adriana Swanson for another four years or three, another three years. She's that good. Uh, she is in fourth place in the 100 meter hurdles with a time of 14.68 seconds. Um, she's got a little bit of work to do to get in the top three, uh, top two. She's really close to that third place person. But to get in that top two, she's got some work to do, but I think she can get there. Uh, in the 300 meter hurdles, Again, South in Washington, Adriana Swanson, seventh place right now with a time of 46.85 seconds. Uh, four by 100 meter relay. We've got no one in our area for that. Four by 400 meter relay. Uh, no one there. Four by 800. We don't have any uh, area teams in there. In the shot put, we've got Macy Swinhart from Concord tied for ninth, right, or actually ninth place in the state right now with a throw of 40 feet and nine and a half inches from Concord. That's Macy Swinhart. In the discus, we have fourth place Emma Yoder from Wawasee. 135 feet and one inches. And in the high jump, we don't have anybody. Pull vault, no one. And long jump, South Bend, Washington. Of course, the freshman, Adrian Swanson, fifth place with a jump of 18 feet and one inches. Wow. <laughs> she could go down to the state for three different events. How about that? So as a little update on the track and field, did you? I think you had something on some current events in the area. Yeah, just a few of the the meets. You talked about the city championship and uh, Robert Nabi really. He was on the podium a lot in that one, like he kind of alluded to with the state times. He won the 100, 200, 400, and long jump. Uh, Justin Smith of the Riley Wildcats also won the discus throw. And their 4 by one team also finished first, so that's the Riley boys won the city meet. Um, and the girls' side, 
Adams just edged out host school St. Joe by 11 points. A name you mentioned, Angel Thomas, helped the Eagles really come from behind and win the city meet for the girls' side. So and then if you look at the NLC side of it, the Kelly Relays were last week at Concord. And actually the NIC Elkar Lions did really well as they uh, they finished in the top three of both the division A and B divisions and also the Concord Miniman had nice showings as well. So yeah, that's that's what stood out to me in the track and field world. So it's an interesting sport because it's you know it's still a team sport, but it's a lot of individuals and people working towards their PRs, which makes it fascinating. It, it is. That's a great uh, some great points there, Aaron. Uh, this was a huge week for track and field because the Kelly relays are uh, that's a really big event. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, the city meet it means so much to the Southland schools. Uh, and so, uh, congratulations to Riley and Adams, uh, for being victorious, uh, in that event. And obviously, as you mentioned, in Concord, Elkhart having nice showings in the Kelly Relays there. Well, uh, let's move on to the NFL draft, um, and some interesting, uh, stats there. Uh, draft picks by conferences, of course, no surprise there, Aaron, the SEC has 62 uh, draft picks. Uh, the Big Ten, 55, is only seven behind the SEC. The ACC, we see a drop here, 32, Big 12, 30, Pat 12, 27. Uh, the FCS in Division Two had 12. The AAC, 10. The Sun Belt, 9. Independent, 7. Three of those were from uh, Notre Dame. Uh, MAC, 7. Mountain West Conference five and Conference USA with with three. Um, you know, uh, do you, Aaron? Do you think that the SEC and the Big Ten will continue to pull away from all the other conferences when it comes to NFL draft picks? You know, it appears like it would. Um, feels like both both conferences are have some really top tier level coaching and teams, so. Feels like it might be. I tell you what, when UCLA oh, and yeah. uh, when UCLA and USC joined the Big Ten, uh, <laughs> you know, more uh, into, they're just yeah. gonna pull in, yeah, pull in more um, picks. You know, I want to pull up something on our Twitter feed because uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, see if I can find it here as we talk here on the show. Um, I was busy, man, on Twitter today. I was just pulling up all these track uh, information things and did a top five. I took like an hour just doing that. I kid you not. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. The following schools had the same or more NFL draft picks as Notre Dame. Here's the list here. Alabama, Georgia, 10 picks each. Michigan, 9. TCU, 8. Oregon, Pittsburgh, Clemson, Penn State, Ohio State, LSU, Florida, all had six picks. So far, I'm okay with this list. The only teams I'm surprised are Pittsburgh, that they had six picks. Mm. Pittsburgh. I don't know what the record was. Maybe they were solid, but I don't remember them being like really, really elite. I don't know. Um, 
five. This is where it gets strange here. Five picks from Stanford. Weren't they terrible last year? <laughs> the Cardinals. They, they fired their coach. That's how bad it was. Yeah, they had five draft picks from Stanford. How does that work? Texas had five. I'm okay with that. Oklahoma, five. They're traditionally um, have a lot of picks. Purdue had five picks. Oh, yeah. Wow. Maryland, five. South Carolina, five. Auburn, five. Tennessee, five. Again, I'm okay with low schools. Their SEC schools traditionally have more draft picks. But uh, Purdue, Stanford, and Pitt are three really big surprises for me. Uh, four draft picks, Houston, USC, UCLA, Kansas State, UNC, Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, Ole Miss. Houston and Northwestern, to me, really stand out. And here's a list that ties Notre Dame with three picks. BYU, o- Old Dominion. Cincinnati, Utah, Iowa State, Miami, Louisville, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan State, Texas A&M, and Kentucky. Uh, Old Dominion, that surprises me. <laughs> they actually tied Notre Dame. <laughs> Iowa State, because they weren't as strong. Louisville wasn't that great, right? Yeah, I don't think they were. They just got a new coach. They, they hired a produce coach. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what that says about Notre Dame. Uh maybe they just didn't have maybe guys were saying back at Notre Dame that potentially could be draft picks. I don't know what the situation. I don't know enough about it, but I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Okay, let's look at Purdue. We mentioned they have five picks. Uh Charlie Jones, their wide receiver. Uh he went in the fourth round to Cincinnati Bengals. Um he was clearly a big reason why Purdue, um, you know, their offense and what they did. Um, Aiden O'Connell, he was a solid quarterback for Purdue. Went in the fourth round as well to Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Payne Durham, tight end for the Boilermakers, went in the fifth round to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Corey Trice, a cornerback, uh, seventh round. Pittsburgh, and then Jalen Graham, outside linebacker, went to in the seventh round to San Francisco. Uh, and then Notre Dame, their three picks. Um, Michael Mayer, a lot of people thought he'd be in the first round. He slipped to the second round. Um, he went to Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Isaiah Fowski, defensive end, second round, New Orleans Saints. I feel really good about those two players. They're solid guys. I think both of them will have a good NFL career. Uh, so, yeah, Purdue had five picks. But if you look at the quality of that of the draft picks, who's going to have uh, more impact in the NFL, I would give the edge to the Northern class, even though they only had three guys. I mean, mm. Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey, them two together, I think, have more value than those five Purdue guys. Maybe I'm disrespecting those five guys. I don't know, but um, I just really high in those two Notre Dame guys. Jarrett Patterson, center from the Irish, went in the sixth round to the Houston Hetsons. Aaron, any thoughts on Purdue Notre Dame draft picks? Yeah, I think what you mentioned, like who's going to have the longer career, more impactful career. 
I think time will tell, like all things. It feels like that Michael Mayer uh, going to the Raiders was, I feel like that's a really great pick for them. Um, also, I, I, don't, I feel like Charlie Jones might be a really nice, have a nice career now that he's with uh, Joe Burrow. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I totally agree with you. I think if you are a skilled player, whether you're a wide receiver, tight end, running back, I think your success is impartial, strongly connected to the quality of your quarterback. Like, if your quarterback is not very good, I hate to say it, but your career may not be what it could be. And so, to your point, Charlie Jones, he's in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that, that quarterback, as you mentioned, arguably one of the better quarterbacks right now in the league. So, great, great spot for Charlie Jones. Really excited for that. See what he does. Let's talk about the Colts and the Bears um, and uh, some of their bigger draft picks. Uh, the, the biggest need for, for the Colts is a quarterback. Everybody knew that going in. And so they drafted Florida's Anthony Richardson. Uh, and Anthony has a strong arm, maybe one of the strongest arms in the draft. Um, he's athletic. He's mobile. He'll be able to make plays using his legs and his arm. Now, I think he's going to have to work on his accuracy. Um, mm. But uh, that will come with time. Jim Irsay did say that he sees AR improving through playing time. So we should expect to see a heavy dosage of Anthony Richardson this offseason and the preseason, uh, presumably right away in the regular season. Now, the future success of this Colts franchise hinges on AR's ability to become a reliable and effective um, quarterback. The Colts did sign veteran Gardner Minshew. Uh, he has experience with uh, the head coach's offense during their time in Philadelphia when they were together. Now, if the Colts want to ease Richardson in, they can do that and rely on Minshew at the, at the beginning. Uh, but I think that they'll start AR uh, game one. The the Colts direly needed a cornerback. And with their second pick, they selected Julius Brent from Kansas State. Now, his size, I think, is what attracted the Colts to him. He sits three, 200 pounds, um, and he can match up with the bigger receivers. He's not necessarily a coverage guy, per se, but he can jump up and disrupt passes, deflect passes. Uh, he's a willing run stopper as well. He has starting quality. And uh, Brent, I didn't know this before, but Brent is actually a Hoosier. He is an Indianapolis native where he played his high school ball at Warren Central. Uh, Indianapolis needed a slot receiver, and they found one in Josh Downs, a former Tar Heel from North Carolina. Josh is an explosive wide receiver that can change speeds, directions quickly. He has great hands. It can snag a ball in a crowded area. would say his weakness probably is separation on long balls. Um, so he's very good in that the mid-range area, if you will. Uh, the Colts had a total of 12 picks, six on offense, and six on defense. So 
as you like to say, Aaron, uh, time will <laughs> tell uh, to see if the draft class of 2023 uh, was is good or not. How about the Bears? I don't know if we ever talked about this, but most people know by now they did have the number one pick. They traded that pick to Carolina for wide receiver DJ Moore and four draft picks. One of those was pick nine. So going into the draft, Bears fans, the media, pretty much everyone who watches football believed that the Bears needed O-line help and def- and help on defense. And I think the Bears really did a pretty good job with that just as like a casual fan here. Uh, so they did take that number nine pick and they traded back one more spot to, and they traded the number nine to Philly. And so the bears took that pick, the 10th pick, and then the, they get a fourth round pick in 2024 with that swap. So then at 10, the bears did get their offensive tackle, probably one of the better ones in the draft and Darnell Wright from Tennessee uh, so yeah, he has he had some nice games. He shut down some of the top DNs in the SEC. So I think Bears fans feel pretty good about that pick. Um, the remaining of the draft, they selected seven defensive players, two more offensive players, and running back Rashawn Johnson from Texas. Which a lot of people thought like this player could have started on other programs. So it's an interesting pick. And then they also took a wide receiver. Tyler Scott from Cincinnati in the fourth round. So many draft analysts like the Bears draft. They've got an A or a B from what I've read so far. Uh, So I feel like if you're a Bears fan, you're probably feeling pretty good. Um, You know, they took two defensive tackles, a cornerback, linebacker, uh, and a safety, their last pick of the draft. So I think if you're – I think most of these teams are probably thinking, if we can get four of our draft picks to start for our team, you can probably call that draft class a success. So time will tell. All right, final topic, or not final, but uh, yeah, we have a special topic after number five and talk some NBA playoffs. Um, So let's let's recap my first-round picks. I picked seven of the eight correct as far as winners. But I did struggle with getting the length of the series. I only got the Golden State, Sacramento. That one went seven games. And actually, Steph Curry kind of pretty much ended the Sacramento's uh, pretty comeback season. Dropped 50 points in today's game. So Wow. So what's your record so far on the NBA playoff picks here? Uh, seven and one. And as far as series. Okay. And okay, nice. What was the one series you lost? Uh, the Bucks, Miami. Oh, what? Yeah. A lot of people lost on that one. Yeah. Uh, what happened to the Bucks? Oh, I don't know. It's, I think it's a multitude of things from what, from what the experts say, but they just wow. kind of old in the teeth. Um, injury. Giannis sitting out a couple, or I think it was a game, maybe, maybe two. That didn't help. So, yeah, well, tough, tough one for the Bucks there. They got a solid team there. So to to exit as quickly as they did, uh, yeah. tell us about the Nuts uh, round here and and your picks here. 
Yeah, so uh, the semifinals have started for the Miami-New York series started today, actually, on Sunday. Miami pulled it out, so they're up one nothing on the Knicks. Um, let's see, Denver played last night, Saturday night. They pulled away from Phoenix, so they're up one nothing. Game two is Monday. The Knicks and Heat play game two on Tuesday night. And the other two series, game one, uh, tomorrow night, Monday night, Philly and Boston get going. And Tuesday, the Golden State, L.A. Lakers, Steph versus LeBron gets going. So that'll be interesting. Get another re- get another chapter in that little rivalry. So I'm going to pick mm-hmm. Miami in seven. I know I kind of have a head start on that one. I'll take Boston in six or Philly. And I like Golden State in seven, Denver in seven. So Wow, you're picking the Warriors over LeBron James and the <laughs> yeah. Lakers. Yeah, Ooh, okay. Wow. So we got you've got Miami and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the Warriors and uh, Denver and the Western Conference Finals. What a matchup that would be. Yeah. Uh, you've got uh, Curry versus um, who's the big dude for Denver? Jokic? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Miami's got uh, Butler. Mm-hmm. And obviously Boston, uh, Tatum, and company. So. Got some big stars left in the playoffs here. This is uh, made for pay for TV uh, <laughs> playoffs. Yeah. Must watch TV is what I'm trying to say. Well, we'll have to see if your pits come true. You're seven and one. Potentially go eleven to one going into the NBA finals. So Man. off to a good start there, Aaron. Yeah. That's why you're in that that is why you are our NBA expert. See if I would have done this whole little thing, I probably would have a losing record right now. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, as we head into our last topic, uh, you know, I'm a Aaron, I'm a big believer that we save the last or the best for last, I should say. Uh my parents always taught me that you eat your dessert at the end of dinner, right? Uh, so we have our dessert for this show, and I'm very happy uh, and pleased to introduce our special guest today, uh, Marion University and Silla College men's basketball head coach, Jeremy Hearing. Coach, great to have you on the show. You know, I am uh, happy to be with you, you both uh, tonight. Looking forward to it. Been looking forward to it for a long time, actually. Uh, so the fact that the moment is upon us, uh, I am ready to go. All right. Well, you know, we're just as excited as you are. Uh, so let's dive in here. Um, want to start off by talking about a few disclaimers real quick. Yeah. I have a, I got a dog, Mm -hmm. uh, along in years. Uh, if he busts in (laughs) here or starts barking, I may have to deal with that, uh, mid interview. (laughs) And uh, also have nine-year-old twins, and it's bedtime, uh, so it's 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 pandemonium in my house. But we're gonna make this work. 
you are a multitasker right here. So this is nothing <laughs> that you you can't handle. This is true. This is true. Man of uh of many talents, juggling many, many things at once has uh has become one of those. By necessity, by necessity and survival. Sorry, well, awesome, sorry to interrupt. Coach. Oh no, you're good. Interrupt whenever you want to. This is your interview. So uh <laughs> I want to start off with uh your background. Um the local people that that listen to us uh, probably know who they they probably know who you are, but may not know all the the nuts and bolts of your background leading up to Marion. So, you want to kind of talk about your story and kind kind of how you arrived to this spot? Yeah, it's a, it's been a great journey so far. Uh, really been blessed, um, and it's it's been amazing to kind of see the way God's worked in my life uh, to this point, you know, yeah, started, uh, was an Elkhart kid, grew up in Elkhart, Indiana, um, and moved out to Jimtown in eighth grade, ninth grade, and was fortunate enough to be a part of the basketball program there, have some success. Um, and then ultimately, uh, for whatever reason, grew to be six foot seven, kind of out of nowhere. And as a senior in high school, kind of kind of just sort of embraced this growth spurt and turned into a pretty decent player, good enough to where I was starting to get recruited to play college basketball. Um, and ultimately, Indiana University in South Bend was school that recruited me. Uh, it was close to home, great educational opportunity, great uh, basketball opportunity. And so, uh, made my decision pretty quickly to just continue my education there in my basketball career there. Uh, opportunity to play, young program, and really was excited about that. Really sort of took that opportunity and ran with it. Um, I, you know, I, turned my, I felt like I was a decent high school player, but really felt like I turned myself into a player by the time I graduated from college. Um, through just working at it and just having an opportunity to play and get experience on the court, got stronger, you know, matured physically. <clears throat> and then I uh, was an all-conference player there, finished my career, um, I would have said 2007, and then got an opportunity to play semi-professional basketball in the IBL for the Elkhart Express there. Uh, it was a, a, a team started. I want to say in 06 and uh, was in existence for three or four years. I don't recall uh, off the top of my head, but was, had a lot of local flavor, a lot of good players uh, in that league and got a chance to be a part of that. Uh, played and then started volunteering as a coach just to kind of get uh, my feet wet in the uh, coaching world, right? So uh, they gave me an opportunity to do that, loved it. Um, Got my first job then coaching college basketball at Alabama Nazarene for Hall of Fame coach, one of the best coaches, I think, to regardless of level uh, ever, and Ralph Hodge, um, and got to work for him closely for a year. I think he knew about me as a player and had some uh, familiarity with me. Um, my family had grown up in a Nazarene church, which is a good fit, so... Um, Went there, got a chance to go to grad school there, 
graduated with my master's degree from Olivet Nazarene, learned a ton, recruited some really good players. And uh, that summer after my first year at Olivet, got a chance to coach Division II basketball, got a job offer to go down to the University of Illinois in Springfield, their first three years of Division II. Uh, Kevin Gamble uh, played for the Celtics. He was a good player back on the Iowa team that made an Elite Eight run. Um, he was a 10-year NBA vet, but uh, just got, sort of struck up a conversation with him at a recruiting event, and one conversation turned into two, turned into ten, and, um, you know, wound up offering me a job. So packed up, moved to Springfield, and uh, worked from 2009 to 2012 down there. Finished my time down there on a great run, went 12-6 and six in GLBC, playing our second year of uh, D2 eligibility, had some of the best players in the country. So um, was a part of that. Met my wife 2012. We had twins shortly after, so it was kind of all hands on deck at home, and I, I, I couldn't coach anymore. I had to get a real job, as they say. Um, and so uh, moved back to South Bend. Uh, got the kids here and uh, ultimately decided to attend law school, right? Um, so went to law school of Valparaiso, commuted every day, and was working at a bank in Elkhart County um, to help pay the bills over that time. Graduate, it took me four years to finish. Um, graduated 2016 from Valparaiso Law School, passed the bar, first time bar passer. Uh, 2016. Nice. Um, got my first job practicing law. We got a in Fort Wayne. Got my first job working as a law clerk uh, for a couple of judges um, in Allen County, and I was their law clerk for a year. Um, then I moved into tr- uh, became a trial lawyer for the state of Indiana. I was a trial lawyer for a while as a felony prosecutor uh, for two years, and moved on to another state agency as uh, one of their top trial lawyers. Um, for a couple years, but, uh, I tell people, um, you know, the legal world is, is different. <laughs> it just, it's a different kind of monster, right? It's, uh, it's, it's stressful. It's hard on you. It's a lot of work. It's nonstop work all day, every day. It's meant, it's just sort of occupies your mind at all times. And, I just found myself sort of unfulfilled in what I was doing. It was hard on uh, family life and kind of felt a stirring, you know, in, in, in what I was doing and what I wanted to do ultimately uh, during this time in life. And realized that, you know, basketball was such a big part of my life. And when it was taken away, um, you know, I didn't really know what to do with that. And, um, so I, I knew I had to get back involved in basketball. So I started volunteering here locally with, uh, I say locally, one of the top, you know, grassroots programs in the country, Indy Heat, uh, Gym Rats, Nike Grassroots, and uh, gave me a lot of sort of opportunity. I was able to coach 17U. I was able to recruit for a, a lot of the teams and sort of got that bug back to get back coaching and recruiting and, and, and relationship building and uh, competing. You know, I think guys that are coaches and, or just people that are coaches are competitive, you know, uh, naturally. And so I was at a tournament 
coaching grassroots, bumping to Brian Pearson at a at an event in Indianapolis, Indiana. I think it was down at uh, Graham Park. And, you know, one conversation became two. This Marion uh, situation occurred where Marion, uh, where Ancilla closed, and Marion set up a campus there. And ultimately, he asked me to take over the program. And a lot of things had to happen and fall into place uh, sort of perfectly. And it just so happened that they did, uh, both in terms of timing and logistics. And next thing I know, uh, I'm able to obtain sort of a full-time employment. I'm a business professor there on campus. And um, administration proofed me to, to coach. And I, I served the year as Brian Pierce's assistant, uh, sort of as the head coach in waiting, right, that I would then take over right, the next year. Right. Well, I want to pause right there because uh, uh, there's been uh, a few things I want to go back and kind of highlight. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've had the privilege of knowing the hearings uh, from Northside Church of Nazarene, um, your brother. Um, and so I, I've obviously we went, we went to the same high school at Jimtown. Uh, you were a few years older. Um, and really, uh, your class kind of began the golden era. When people talk about the golden era of Jimtown basketball, uh, you guys kind of started that whole thing, going to the semi-state uh, one year. Um, you know, you, you won quite a few games. Uh, big, big part of Jimtown basketball back then when it was um, really, really well-oiled. Um, and then IUSB, I, I, you still have a couple of records that are still there to, today, I believe, uh, with rebounding and whatnot. Um, solid career, IUSB. Um, I remember watching uh, the Elkhart Express, going to Northside Gym <laughs> and watching uh, Actually, I think it was a playoff game, might have been. Uh, there were some decent crowds there. Um, and so that yeah. was really fun. Uh, and what a journey going to, you know, um, uh, Olivet, um, and the opportunities you had, uh, coaching in Illinois, um, and obviously, you know, meeting your wife, uh, you, you've, you've told that story to me and that's, uh, an incredible story there in itself. So, um, so let's go back, let's, let's move forward with, um, oh, that's, that's another thing before we move forward. Uh, that's very impressive that, uh, you did. Uh, I think you told me you, you scored like in the top one or two percent in your uh, bar exam, or you did really, really well. In other words, um, that is really did impressive. Did I say that? I think you did. did. I say or that? Maybe I missed a guy that hates talking. A guy that hates talking about himself. I'm surprised that I would say that I scored in the top one percent on the Molding State bar exam. Um, <laughs> it may have slipped out. It may have slipped out. Well, whether it's, it's looked out or not, that's really impressive. Um, you're a really smart uh, guy here. Um, I can tell you this. I, there is no way I am ever passing the bar exam the first time. <laughs> but uh, that's really hey, cool. Here's a, here's a test-taking tip for anyone that's out there listening, young people, students, college you don't take an exam. I tell this to my students. You don't sit for an exam unless you plan on passing that exam. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there we go. That's a great piece of advice there. So let's move forward to your first year of the head coach at 
Uh, now it's called Marion University and Silla College. Um, what 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 was that like for you? Uh, the experience overall. Kind of talk about your first year as head coach. Yeah, it was you know it was really fun. I'm just having a blast doing this. Um, anybody that asked me, you know, how's it going? I feel so fortunate to be able to coach college basketball, um, but also be able to lead young people. Um, it's a really unique sort of role uh, in a young person's life um, to be their coach and mentor. And I think back to, you know, where I started, you know, as a young adult, 18 years old, um, and, and, and how I end up wound up growing up if I've ever grown up yet. I think, I think I've, I've done some growing up since then, but how that process played out. And, uh, you know, my coach has had such a big part of that, um, in terms of helping me to mature and, um, have accountability and a work ethic and commitment and, um, sort of a coach of, you know, coachability, um, and I always refer back to stuff my coaches say now when I'm faced with difficult things. Um, I, re I resort back to uh, these coachisms, right? These, these lessons. Um, and it's, it really has helped me. I think back to all those values that I learned as a student athlete in college and how I still rely on those and lean on those today uh, when things get tough. If nothing else, college, being a college athlete does teach you how to deal with tough stuff, tough physically, tough mentally, tough emotionally, uh, challenging things throughout the course of a basketball season. Um, and if you know, you know, you've, you've been through, we call it the grind of a, a college basketball season uh, because it's so long and it just challenges you. And uh, to now be in this new role where I can sort of serve in that same capacity. Or maybe uh, these young these young guys that, you know, play for us, play for me uh, on our team. Maybe one day they'll look back and, and they'll they'll rely on these things, too. So it's a really important role to me. Part of my wife, the part of the deal with coming back and doing this was it was to be uh, a ministry, you know, uh, part of this. And, and that's important because it is such a unique and special role that we're playing. And so I sort of start from that place when I think about how this first year went, you know, I, that's what I want to get out of. Right. And that's what I want to put into. It. And I think about that and how did this season go and how was the experience? And that's kind of the lens with which I view it through. Um, and I think it was good. I think it was a success. I think we had a great time. I think we had a really good group of guys, um, guys that want to be good players, guys that dream big and have big goals for themselves, as do we as a program. And uh, just, it was a good group, you know, guys that want to win, you know, that yeah. want to win. I had no doubt each day that these guys wanted to win. Uh, had a great start, eight and four, kind of got out of the gates high, uh, won some games, 
I think towards uh, we got into conference, and you know, I think the coaching's better, the players are the better, the teams are better. Um, we're scouted out pretty good by then, and I think uh, guys were able to figure out some of our personnel tendencies and what we want to do. And uh, you know, I think we hit a little bit of a freshman wall there. And we had trouble finding ways to win. Some of that's inexperienced. Some of that's inexperienced by the coach uh, to be able to do that. So um, it was a good first year. And I think I, I think there's room for improvement. I think we're going to build on it. Um, but I am just having a blast and having a lot of fun. I got some good help, you okay. know, uh, that's for sure. Well, for the viewers that don't know, uh uh, coach Hearing and I, uh, we are the staff. So uh, I'm Coach Hearing's assistant at Marion University, um, and I love doing that. Uh, uh, when I committed last year, uh, and I'm glad you said that that this is a ministry uh, that you're a mentor. You want to be a leader for these guys uh, because I think both of us would agree that that's why we're in this uh, thing all together is that we want to lead uh, our young men. Uh, so that they can lead a, a, a good life moving forward. Um, and then on top of that, you know, the basketball piece, um, you know, I think you, you give a great characterization of the season um, and how, we, you know, we kind of started off hot, like you said, and, and then, you know, ran to uh, some challenges in the, in the conference. Uh, I want to talk about the next season. And uh, I know you can't, you know, there's some rules. You can't really go into specifics and, and that kind of stuff, but what's the big picture overview? What excites you about this upcoming season? Yeah, I think going through the conference uh, sort of gauntlet, as I call it, the first go around, we were young and they were all, and we were sort of the new kids on the block in the league. I, I mean, I point to Southwestern having a new program. It was us and them kind of the new kids on the block really had primarily freshman groups. Um, and so the team experience seemed to win out uh, this year experience. And then also we were, I, I was able to see kind of where we were deficient in areas, right? We, we just, we, we just have to get a tad more athletic. We got to get better defensively. We have to uh, be better rebounding the ball. Uh, we have good players. We had good players, but those were some of the reasons why we struck uh, to sort of win. And they're not going to tell you otherwise. I mean, they'll say, yeah, we had strong difficulty guarding uh, and rebound. And so we had to address that. I feel like we've done that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we have added some great length and skill and athleticism. Uh, our two best defenses, um, you know, we switch, we front, we, want to play some three-quarter, two-two-one. I think you got to have the guys that can do that. you got to have guys that can run and cover ground, that have length, guys that are versatile defenders that can uh, guard multiple positions. And we've sort of built a roster um, and made some additions. We have guys coming back that are good at that. And we're adding new pieces that are really, really good at that. And they're good offensive players, uh, great skilled players, good shooters. Um, but we will have a really good, um, a really good group of, uh, length of collective length. We have a lot of the six, five, six, six athlete, um, that can play in multiple positions 
And I think that's going to make us a, a, a difficult team to guard. And it's going to make us a, a better defensive team. Um, and I'm excited about it. I think we'll be competitive next year. Um, I'm hoping to be competitive on a national level. Uh, we're still recruiting, still got a couple holes to fill. Um, and we're, we're working to fill them with good players. Uh, but who we have signed, who we have committed, I look at that roster uh, every day, and I, I like that roster. I think there's a lot of possibilities there that we can do um, on both ends of the court. And I think whoever comes out, uh, fans of Marion University and Ancilla, um, they're going to see a really, really exciting and talented team next year that they're going to be proud of. Well, you know, I have the privilege of having conversations throughout the week with you about recruiting and you know, I'm just as excited uh, about what's coming next year and uh, the added length, as you mentioned, the skill, uh, solid guys coming back, um, and just being able to be a little more older, if you will, a little more veteran savvy, not so young. Uh, I think um, that, uh, you know, we're going to be able to attack uh, versus uh, being always responding to things and, and reacting. I think we can be on the attack more. Really love that. Um, so going to be a lot of exciting things happening uh, for men's basketball at Marion University and Solar College. Uh, tell, tell us why Marion University and Solar College is a place where if you're a high school student, this is a place you want to be. It's Marion University. You know, it's a Marion University extension campus here. Um, we're in the north central part of the state. Great location uh, right there in the crossroads between Chicago, South Bend, Indianapolis. Um, you know, if you live in the Michigan area, which I would imagine uh, many of your listeners do, uh, it's a 25 to 35 minute drive, depending on where you're at. Um, you can make that. Um, and you get a chance to obtain a Marion University uh, education. It's a campus that um, moved in and sort of uh, just took the baton from what Ancilla College was doing. Ancilla College was a private two-year institution. Uh, they had the infrastructure there in place for uh, sort of the two-year educational model. Uh, that's what they offered there uh, from a size standpoint, from an athletic standpoint. Um, you know, they competed in the NJCAA and because that's what, you know, as Marion sort of taking that baton, you know, they just sort of really continued that sort of, um, their position, right? So they're, they're, they're still members in the NJCAA. Um, and that's sort of what is in place now, but Marion is moving in, I believe with big, uh, ideas and big plans, uh, there are some four-year degrees on our campus. There's a, a, a great nursing program, uh, a bachelor's degree uh, nursing program there through Marion. Um, on the campus, they're adding a four-year degree in education, and there's other four-year degrees I'd imagine to follow uh, soon after. Um, it's just, it's, uh, you know, you, you look around sort of the landscape of higher education and, you um, you know, it's it's unique to see what Marion University is doing, to see how they've th they've found ways to thrive um, in, in some difficult um, circumstances in higher ed. 
and they have great leadership, um, great sort of institutional um, strength. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great university. I feel fortunate to be employed by them, uh, to be a, a professor. I mean, I'm employed through the Byron School of Business down at Marion. Um, and we're doing some really, really unique things in terms of how we deliver uh, the coursework and with a lot of experiential type learning and hands-on learning that I think helps students. And so uh, come on down and see campus, take a visit. Um, and you will be amazed. It is a one of a kind place, one of a kind place. You will not see a campus like it. I guarantee that. Um, it's a place that you'll connect with, uh, a place where everyone will be rooting for you and doing what they can to support you and help you succeed as a student. And uh, I could talk and go on and on about that. Uh, I just feel fortunate to be the coach at a place like that and to be a professor at a place like that. Well, that's really awesome. It sounds like a great place uh, to attend um, if you're a student in high school. Um, and that's an, an opportunity to become the best version of you in a small school field, but world-class education. And, um, you know, you're part of that faculty uh, that's bringing that hands-on approach that, that you just mentioned there. Um, a lot of great... I, I tell you, the more I hear about Marion University and Solar College, uh, the future is very bright, um, and that's really exciting. Okay, we're going to move on yeah. to some rapid-fire here questions as we wrap up uh, our interview. And uh, no dogs yet and no kids uh, in the room, so <laughs> I think we're knocking on wood here. I think we're going to make it. Well, my wife got home with the food, so I think my dogs are preoccupied by that. <laughs> and, uh, okay. <laughs> so that's one. We'll see. If, we'll see if the house is still standing when I get out of here uh, with the other. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, your thoughts on basketball? Uh, two things, specifically in the St. Joseph Elkhart County area. And then in the broader sense of, of basketball in general, where where do you think the game is today? Really, really strong. And I say that because they got great coaches up there. They do. Uh, I just so happen to know half of them uh, very, very well. Um, and uh, I'm just – they got some real basketball coaches, some real sort of basketball lifers uh, – Coaches that have played the game at the highest levels, um, fantastic sort of college players, bring with them a wealth of basketball expertise, uh, sort of self-made players. If You know, I mean, I'm thinking of uh, a number of these uh, coaches. And I just think it's, it's a great basketball area. You know, um, players love to play. And... Um, there's no shortage of good players, but just a well-coached, um, you know, location. And I think that uh, it's in good hands at the moment. Cool. So, uh, in three words, describe how you feel about the transfer portal, if that's possible. Three words. <laughs> um, what a nightmare. <laughs> You know, I what think a lot of people a, would agree with you, Coach. What a nightmare. Here's what I say. I don't blame 
any of the kids uh, for, for, for doing what they can do. I mean, I, I really don't. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, you know, I, I don't get to make these decisions and these rules and, and whatever, but it is, <laughs> I mean, I say, keep it real. It is the transfer portal uh, is a way for student athletes to simply put their NIL. Uh, it's like they recalibrate recal- their value in NIL and they see, okay, what, what's sort of the best, uh, highest bidder, if you will, uh, for NIL. And I guess that's where I go. I'm not saying that's uh, in every case, but it seems like that's what's going on. Um, it's just sort of a each year, you know, it's a it's it's a way to sort of reassess your value in the marketplace for NIL. And okay, if that's what we want for college basketball, then that's what we got. So um, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly what we got right now. My three words I would pick would be opportunity, chaotic, risk. It's an opportunity for young players. Uh, it seems like the 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 process right now is is kind of chaotic. It needs to be regulated probably a little more. And then these these guys are taking a risk. There's no guarantee that on the other side of the transfer that there's something there for them. You know, uh, and hopefully something there is something there for these guys. Uh, okay, favorite memory as a former basketball player. Uh, this might be tough because you've had a lot of good memories here. Any level, favorite memory. Mm. Good question. I had a lot of fun memories. You know, I uh, one of my favorite high school memories was playing uh, in that semi-state. Uh, it was kind of a surreal moment. Never thought we'd ever be able to achieve sort of things like that. Um, and it just, just happened. And I'm talking, I'm referencing uh, a senior high school at Jimtown 2002, made to semi state, lost to a real good Bluffton team down at Huntington North. Every time I go to Huntington North, I, I get like PTSD response. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've been down there more times than I care to admit this last couple of years. And every time never fails, I'm just like, ugh. Uh, it's, <laughs> you never like to lose your last game. You always want to win that last game, but, um, that was a fun moment. I still look back on it. It was a great environment, great atmosphere, high stakes, and uh, it was great Indiana basketball. I think about in college, got a chance to play it. Uh, it was Conseco Fieldhouse back, um, the, uh, Pacers arena down in Indianapolis. We, uh, went down and played Olivet Nazarene there, um, uh, for whatever reason, I, mean, I think Olivet was having an alumni event down in Indianapolis and uh, got a game scheduled down there, and they scheduled us. So uh worked out, and I got a chance to play. I was always had these regret that I couldn't play that next game there um, in the state championship, and then I got a chance in college to get down there and play on that floor, so that was a cool moment. Um, you know, won a championship there in the IBL, sort of the first real world championship I, I was a part of. It's kind of amazing to see what it, what a championship culture looks like when a whole group's sort of pulling together and wants to win and scrapping and clawing and, you know, fighting and competing and trying to, to win. And ultimately, you know, that's the goal. And we did that. And that was fun to be a part of and to win a championship. I remember that. So those are some some big moments as a player. Yeah, those are some big moments. You know, uh, from a program that 
started out when you were probably a freshman at Gymtown and you look in the stands or 45 people in the stands to that semi state and you, you you've had to uh, had a moment where you looked up and you're like wow look at all these thousands of fans you know uh, what a journey that that uh, was for you and being a huge part of kind of uh, starting the golden era of Gymtown basketball and um, uh, I've only been inside of Canseco one time. That was when uh, my sophomore year, Jimtown uh, uh, went to state finals, and and uh, that was quite the experience. So I can only imagine you actually played on that court. I was just, I, uh, I was just. I think part. I had like twenty five. Think I had like twenty five. Twenty five on the Canseco <laughs> court. That's pretty good, man. Um, and then the IBL. Uh, you know, and, and all the highly competitive games there, um, the environments you were in, um, a lot of great moments in your career. Uh, Aaron, did you have one? Yeah, piggyback off that. Who was the toughest or best player you faced through your career? Best player I played against, and this will go, this, this may be an interesting one. Um, one of the, one, the, the one that stands out to me, people ask me and Darius Gary was one of the best defensive players mm. that I've ever played against. I mean, he was a lockdown defensive. I mean, at just a different level, he was the best defender that ever guarded me. And I think I played maybe twice or three times and just in the summers playing, um, I was a good yeah. player. He just, he made me look, he made me. I was embarrassed at at times. Okay, I mean he was really really good. Uh, so Darius is probably the best defensive player I played against. Got a chance to see some really good ones. Um, but that was, you know, that was one. So I'm giving Darius. Wow, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good player there. Oh, my bad, coach. It's all right. Giving some local uh, uh, shout out to Darius. Um, Anyway, uh, played against a lot of good players. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good players uh, in my day. So, hard to say, but. That's a pretty uh, good selection the, there. He uh, went defense, to New Mexico. Yeah. He played at New Mexico and then uh, kind of went through the NBA uh, uh, D-League draft there. Had a little stint at the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Um, um, and there's a couple, a couple other places there, so. Pretty solid uh, athlete. His brother, Sean Tease, uh, I remember playing against him. I think he was the younger one. Uh, both of the Gary brothers were just athletic. Sean Tease was a little bit older. Sean Tease was a good player. Um, oh, was he older? Sean, yeah, Sean Tease was a nice player. Uh, he was kind of part of that Western Michigan crew that had like a local pipeline down there when you're talking – uh, if I remember Sean Tease, I think Hershberger, Andrew Hershberger from Goshen went down there and played. Derek Drews oh, yeah. uh, from Central. I mean, all those guys are good players. Yep, yep. NBA question. Who are you rooting for to win the NBA Finals? If you have an interest at all. Mm, rooting for? Um, wow. I don't know that I root for any particular team. My son's a big Phoenix Suns fan. He was uh, before they got Durant. Now that they got Durant, he's just you know, over the moon right now about uh, Suns. 
Problem is, I don't know why. The sun's come on at 10 o'clock at night. He can never watch the game. <laughs> uh, so he's always disappointed. I can never let him stay up that late. I love watching the Golden State Warriors play. I, love, I mean, I can sit there. I just love the way they move the basketball. I love the fluidity that they play the game with. Um, they are just they, – they are – I mean, it's never – they always deliver. Let's say if you're a basketball fan, I love watching the Warriors play. Um, so that's who I, I would say. I, I guess I'm, I won't be rooting for them, but I will be watching them. I make it sort of it's appointment television for me just because I enjoy watching the way they play. I saw a uh, tweet today that Steve Kerr is like 18 and 0 all time in the Western Conference series. That's pretty cool. Uh, Steve Kerr. You know, he learned a thing or two um, as a player. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, I think he's he's done a good job. <laughs> I, think he, I think he knows what he's doing. He's He, he likewise uh, knows the key to good coaching is good players. When you got good players, good stuff happens. Mm-hmm. All right, my next question is kind of, I, don't, I just came up with this. I know Will as a roommate and as a friend. So what's a scouting report as a coach? On uh, Coach Kramer? On, yeah, on Coach Kramer. Uh, detailed. Um, you know, coach is very thorough. Um, and what I like about him is he will uh, – he's very honest. He's not like going to just be, you know, yes, whatever you say, that's a great idea. No, he's going to, he's going to give me, uh, some real feedback and some real perspective, um, from a strategy standpoint. And otherwise he's kind of like my private investigator with recruiting. Um, <laughs> he will really get to the bottom. <laughs> he will really get to the bottom. And I love that. I mean, just the, 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 the sort of, uh, um, you know, the effort that goes into all this stuff um, that most people don't know with coaching from scouting uh, mm-hmm. to um, just the details of, you know, logistics and the details of uh, recruiting. And, you know, we're recruiting hundreds of students, you know, hundreds of players and to keep track of all of it, uh, keep track of the film stuff that we're doing, and, um, the st- statistics. And um, he's just, uh, you know, when it's just me and him, uh, we're doing a little bit of everything. And uh, he's he's sort of a, um, wears many, many hats. Um, and he's going to be, because of that, right, um, I think he's had a lot more. Well, he has, he has had a lot of um, responsibility and that in, in, in all facets of running a program. And uh, I think he's. He's well equipped, you know, um, with each passing year. He's going to be more and more equipped uh, to lead, and uh, he's done a great job. Well, Coach, I appreciate you saying all those nice things. Uh, I, I paid Aaron to, to ask that question. I'm just kidding. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, I tell you, I, as we end here, I just wanted to, to, to say how uh, much I've enjoyed being on your staff, Coach. Uh, you know, last year when you reached out to me, um, you know, I mean, you knew I, I, Washington was going to be good, you know, and I was kind of 
going back and forth a little bit. But ultimately, I'm so glad I made that decision to, to join you. Uh, I've kind of always known about you, uh, but it's been really an honor, a privilege, privilege and a lot of fun to kind of have a front row seat, if you will, uh, into what you do. And, um, you know, I, I always go back to what you said in the beginning of the interview, how you see this as a, a ministry. Uh, you're a Christian. Uh, so am I. And so that's a huge part of why I said yes. Um, and I've seen every single day you live it out, uh, the, the Christian part. Uh, you also challenge your guys to, to be the best. Um, and uh, I think there are coaches that can do both, you know, be a great leader on and off the court, be that Christian example, but also push push your guys and build up that relationship piece to it. Um, and I've learned so much from you, bas- a basketball athlete's nose and, um, you know, just how to run a program. And uh, so you're very, very lucky. Um, I want to thank you, Coach. Yeah. Well, here's to year two, right? Um, right. Seeing what we can get get done. Um, looking to, uh, yeah, I tell the guys we recruit to dream big around here, and that's what we're going to do as a program. So um, if we're going to do it, let's do it well, and let's uh, let's play to win, as they say. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, that wraps it up for our interview with Marion University and Silla Men's Basketball head. Oh. All right. Well, uh, it's been a great show, Aaron. Yeah. And uh, a lot of stuff happening with baseball and softball and, and track and field. Uh, you know, golf is happening as well. Um, maybe one of these shows we got to do a segment on high school golf. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, and um, the girls' tennis you know, or. Girls tennis is going on as well. Um, maybe we'll do a segment as it gets closer to uh, set yeah. uh, We got some. De- we've actually got some decent teams in girls tennis around here. I think St. Joe is one of them. Um, so a lot of action happening for high school sports. Uh, always a busy season. Uh, NBA, uh, a lot of excitement there. Um, obviously, the NFL draft was a big thing. Uh, so... Yeah, next week. Can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, well, um, this concludes the episode. Thank you for listening to Will and Aaron's show, and tune in next time as we discuss more local and college and pro sports.